0: Hey, my name is Steve Wallen. I'm one of the pastors here at Genesis Church. And if you have your Bibles, open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8 is in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a blue one on the floor around you. It's page 806 in that Bible. Uh, we're in the third week of our series called Here to There. We've been talking about money. And let me just say right at the top, I know that money is a touchy subject for some of us. I know that when we talk about money in church because of maybe a story that you heard on the news or maybe personal experience in a church where money was mishandled or the leadership wasn't very transparent or maybe just because of your own suspicions that these messages can come off wrong for some of you. And some of you may think, man, you know, the church just wants my money. But can I say with all honesty, what I want most for you is what God wants for you. And I can say that because for years, I sat right where you're sitting. Like I sat in a church and heard some great pastors talk about being generous and teach lessons. And I, at first, was skeptical and then started to listen interested in an interested way and then started to participate. And when I started to participate and started to obey, um, that's when I started to become generous. And I have to tell you, I've learned these principles long before I was a church pastor, Um, which was really helpful for me because they completely rewrote the way I think about money. When I was a young man, high school graduate, and I was in college, and um, right before I graduated college, I have to tell you that money was an important part of my future, was an important part of my life. I would call it, I can look back now and say it was an idol for me. I wouldn't have said that then, Uh, but now I can see it was an idol for me. But just applying some of these principles we've talked about rewrote the way I interact with money because what I found to be true was this. When we're in a place where we depend on money to fix our problems, it's so funny, isn't it, how when uh, money seems to be the root of some of our problems, we think a little bit more money will fix that, we end up here. We end up in this place of anxiety and fear. And we said in week one of this series that most of our money problems aren't a lack of money right now. It's a fear of having a lack of money, right? And so we end up here with fear and anxiety, and I've got to get this thing straight or I will not be able to preach this message. We, we end up here, right, in a, in a place where we're, where we're scared and we're dissatisfied and, and we're frustrated. But God has something better for our lives. He wants to take us from here to there. And there is a place with satisfaction and with significance. He, he doesn't want money to have a stranglehold on us. And we've said that the vehicle that God wants to use when it comes to finances to take us from here to there is this thing called generosity. Because, and many of you know this, and many of you have experienced this, something happens in your life when you start giving. It does something to your heart. It it impacts your faith. You get a greater sense of purpose. And do you know what else? The more we grow in generosity, the more we start to look like Jesus. And isn't that really what this is all about? We want to be more like Jesus. And so for the last couple weeks, we've been challenging, challenging you to consider what generosity might look like in your life. We've had a challenge each week, and we've got one this week too, but this is something we want for everyone, but we definitely want to see it if you're a part of Genesis Church, if you call this church your home. And so week one, we talked about being an initial giver. We challenge those of you who aren't giving to God's work through the church, whether that's Genesis Church or maybe you're part of another church, to step out of your comfort zone, to give first, give on a regular basis, and to give in a measurable way to say, you know what, if I'm not giving anything at all right now, let's just give something on a regular basis week after week. And I've really been pleased by some of you who have started to do that. And then week two, we ask you, if you call Genesis your church your your home, would you pray about a percentage and then start giving to Genesis regularly through Christmas? That was the challenge. Would you just give a percentage of your income through Christmas? Pray about it, think about it, and to test God in his promise. If you remember, Paul was here last week, and he talked about this, this verse, this passage from Malachi chapter 3, where God says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much treasure that you won't be, there won't be enough room to contain it. It's the only place in Scripture that I know of Maybe you know another one. It's the only place in scripture that I know of where God invites us to test him in this. So we challenge you, test God in this. And then this week, I wanna look at what it means to be a surrendered giver. Now for a surrendered giver, it's not so much about how much they give away, but they view generosity as an essential part of who they are. That you view 100%, not a 10th, but 100% of your assets is for God's kingdom. Because God owns it all, it all comes from him, and he promised to provide for all of our needs, and because of that, there are no limits. And so this is where you see all of your resources as an opportunity to serve and trust the Lord. And it's not because God doesn't want us to have money. I don't want you to think that. It's not that God doesn't want us to have money, but he doesn't want money to have us. Because when money becomes the thing that we work for and obsess about and think about all the time, we're here And no matter how much of it we have, we can end up frustrated and disappointed and disillusioned. And God wants to take us from here to there. And so this week, we're gonna talk about what it means to be a surrendered giver. And to do that, we're gonna go back to the passage that Paul looked at very briefly at the end of the message last week, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Now, I wanna spend a few minutes telling you about a group of people who were extraordinarily generous. And I know when you think about a group of people who are extraordinarily generous, you probably think about, Somebody very wealthy, extraordinarily wealthy. Somebody like Bill and Melinda Gates or, or Mark Zuckerberg or somebody who starts a foundation in their name. But, but I wanna show you that this is not what we think about normally when we think about somebody who's very generous. They're not generous because they're filthy rich. Their generosity flowed from the fact that they were surrendered givers. And we learn about them as Paul describes them in a letter that he wrote. This 2 Corinthians is a letter to Christ followers in a place called Corinth. And the surrendered givers he's gonna tell them about are in, in Macedonia. And Paul's gonna use them as an example for what generosity can accomplish when all of God's people are fully surrendered to all of God's plan. Imagine that, all of God's people surrender to all of God's plan. This is gonna make all the difference. Paul makes this statement to the church, 2 Corinthians 8, chapter one. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And when you read this passage, two things should leap off the page at you, at least they do to me. Number one is severe trial. And number two is extreme poverty. What we know about the Macedonians was they were Christians in a place where it wasn't popular to be a Christian. And they were facing persecution for their faith. We also know uh, from history that they were in a place where there was a very severe famine. And the Macedonians weren't spared from that, and they were facing extreme poverty. And Paul helped to start these churches in Macedonia, and so he understood uh, their condition. He knew the people there were living under severe oppression. And so if you can imagine, Paul's pretty pumped to hear this story about these Macedonian churches that are being so extraordinarily generous about the little that they have. And he can't wait to tell the Christians in Corinth about them. Now, why does Paul make such a big deal about these Christian churches in Macedonia about the grace that they've experienced. Verse three, he says, for I testify that they, the Macedonians gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. That's important. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I love this. They gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability. That's, that's God. That's like God sized growth and it's evidence of their living right? It's like, it's faith in action. It's believing that God is good at his word and he will provide for his people. It's believing that God is able to do uh, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, right? That's what they were doing. And see, here's the thing that uh, it says that they urgently pleaded with us. Like Paul didn't poke them and prod them to give that they came and they came and they saw this need. And even though they were in severe trials and extreme poverty, they begged and pleaded, please, Paul, Please let us give to this need. It's like every church in America today, isn't it? Like there's this need and we're just gonna beg and plead. No, please let me give more. Please let me give out of my poverty. No, it's not at all like that. But there are people like that. There are people, even in our church, who are surrendered givers. And I thought I'd just share a couple of stories with you uh, today. A couple months ago, one of our ministry partners, we're gonna talk about some of our ministry partners in a minute. But one of our ministry partners is a church in Albania. Albania, if you don't know, is a place where uh, their official religion of the country, it's the only place in the world, their official religion in the, in the country is none. It's the only country in the world. I think, that, I, I, heard, I read this. It's the only country in the world that is officially an atheist country. Um, but there's groups and pockets of Christianity popping up. We'll talk about one of them in a minute. And uh, this church in Albania sent a letter out. They send their prayer letter out every month. and And one of the things they ask, and we get their prayer letter because we support them. One of the things they ask was, would you be praying for our pastor to get a new car? His car is 16 years old, has a couple hundred thousand miles on it, and he can't get to all the villages around where he needs to get to. Well, it just so happens that one couple in our church got a hold of that letter. And he had recently sold his car because he was getting a company car. So he didn't need to, he had sold his car and didn't need to replace it. And he read this letter and they prayed and decided they were gonna send the money that they got from selling his car to Albania so that this pastor could buy a new car. A couple in our church did that. They, they provided a car in Albania. So because of that, the pastor can now drive without having to worry about his car breaking down and could go to all these villages and people are finding their way back to God in Albania because one couple from our church was a surrendered giver. And now you think, oh, that's great. Yeah, give a car. I, I'm never gonna be able to do that. You know, I won't be able to measure up to that. But I want you to hear there are other stories. There are other ways to be a surrender giver. It's not about the amount that you give. I, I talked to another man at our church this week and his family's been at our church for quite a while. In fact, I think they helped us start this campus. Um, and, and I wanna preface this story by saying this. I want you to hear this. I don't look at everybody's giving statements <laughs> So for most of you, I don't know what you give. Um, but when we do giving statements twice a year, uh, though there's a few, we'll pick a dollar amount and we'll say, anybody over this, I wanna write a note to them. I wanna write, you know, sometimes I'll handwrite write a note, sometimes I'll send them a card, sometimes I'll send them an email, whatever, just to say thank you for being so generous. And this couple's giving statement uh, came on my radar and I thought, well, I don't remember seeing that. So I went back and looked at a couple of years and see that they have gradually increased the amount that they've given. And so I called this man this week and said, hey, tell me this story. I want to hear what's happened, what God's done in your heart. And, and here's what he said. He said, my wife always believed in tithing and I never did. Like, I didn't grow up in church. So I believe the church just wanted my money. Oh, there it is again. Yeah, we have such a great reputation. Um, he said, one time we were down to not very much in the bank and my wife wanted to give it all to the, or give it to the church. It was $500, almost everything we had. But I thought, I love this statement. He told me this. He said, well, I'm not doing a very good job managing it. So maybe God can do better. So we gave it on Sunday. He said, that day, I got a call from my aunt. Her church had a budget surplus and they were looking for people who could use a little boost. And she recommended us and the church sent us a check. You won't believe for how much? $500, of course. From that moment on, I knew the Lord would take care of us is what he said. And so he said, we couldn't start tithing right away, but we started giving a little bit. And as we got some debt paid off, we started giving more. And he said, now we tithe and I love it. And I want you to hear this story. I want you to hear this. I'm not saying that's from scripture, right? That if you give $500, you're gonna get a check in the mail today for $500. That's not the way that always works. But you know, I've heard more stories of that than you might think. But I want you to see that this couple was blessed because of their obedience. That was their experience. See, surrendered givers aren't aren't limited to the super wealthy. It it reminds me of the story we see in the New Testament where Jesus is sitting in the temple and he's watching people bring their gifts in and put them in the treasury. Side note, how would your offering look different if you thought Jesus was sitting and watching you make an offering? <laughs> and the way you answer that question, by the way, has a lot to do with your view of Jesus. Do you think Jesus would be there sitting there going, uh-uh, mm-mm, mm mm Because that's one view of Jesus. Or do you think Jesus would be nodding, nodding, nodding approvingly and saying, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm so proud of you for taking that risk. But Jesus is watching this treasury, treasury and the, these wealthy men are bringing in large gifts. I always do this, and I don't know if they're actually large gifts physically, right? Like, like they're bringing, I don't know, like a bag of money, like Scrooge McDuck. Um, but they're bringing these large gifts and they're making a big show about it. And then this, this widow brings in two like copper coins and drops them in the treasury. It's like two pennies, right? And drops them in the treasury. And Jesus says this, he says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Well, that's what was happening with the Christians in Macedonia. They didn't have much, but what they had, they gave. And notice they didn't give on their own. They, they gave, wi- or they didn't give uh, under, under compulsion. They gave willingly. They, were, they weren't pressured or coerced into this. And Paul knew they didn't have much to give. And so when a great financial need came up, he didn't feel comfortable even asking these churches in Macedonia to participate, but they insisted in spite of their trials. The men and women, students, kids from these churches gave generously. And we see that their hearts were overflowing with joy, because that's what happens when we start to give. Where did that joy come from? This is so important. Don't miss this piece of the story. 2 Corinthians 8 5, Paul says, And they exceeded our expectations. Why? Because they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. First of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. See, God was at work in their lives. They had found their way back to God and now they couldn't stop talking about making sure that others were able to find their way back to God too. You know what happens is we can see people do generous things without being surrendered to God. But you can never truly be a generous person unless you surrender first to the Lord and then to others. And that's what we see from this story. It was Jesus in their life. It was, it was their faith and his grace working in them that motivated them to give. They believed God in his word. They believed that he could do immeasurably more than all that they could ask or imagine. They believed as they were uh, bringing their gifts that God was gonna do a better job of managing this than they were. And they decided to test him. And you know what? I know a lot of people in our church that believe that too. Like a lot of you believe that too. I want to thank you Genesis for being generous over the years and encourage you and how your generosity is making a big difference locally and all around the world. You know, we wouldn't uh, be able to celebrate our 15 year anniversary, but for your generosity. But the other thing that I want you to see is that partnerships with other ministries are a really important part of who we are and they're a big part of our future as a church. God has provided us some great opportunities to partner with some great Christ-centered ministries who are committed to helping people find their way back to God. And it's a two-way relationship. One of the things that uh, we made a commitment early on at Genesis that we weren't going to partner with anybody where we could just send money. We wanted to be able to send money and people and get back stories and training and learning. We believe that our prayers, our participation, our generosity with them can help their ministries accomplish great things. And in return, we can learn from them. So I want to take you just on a journey today. I want to take you through a few of our ministry partners, actually our key ministry partners, and see how your giving through Genesis Church is making a difference all over the world. So let's start with our global partners. We have three key global partners, Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti, Opportunities Now in Myanmar. Um, how many of you could point to Myanmar on a map, by the way? <laughs> a few of you, good. I've been here, I've been there three times. I couldn't before I went. Um, And then last, Bell in Ukraine. Nehemiah Vision Ministries, we'll start with them. They're probably the most familiar to most of you. They're a ministry in Haiti that works in a couple of villages, Chambron and Onaville, and starting to work in some smaller villages. Uh, They focus on healthcare, education, and feeding uh, feeding the needy in those areas. And we uh, donate to them, but we also run usually one to two mission trips a year to Haiti. In fact, we have one coming up in February. February is a great time to go to Haiti, by the way. Uh, because it will be cold and gray here from January 6th until May 13th or so. (laughs) And um, it's not in Haiti. It's sunny and 90 degrees every day. Plus there's incredible work to be done and fantastic people. And so if you've never been on a mission trip, especially to a third world country, uh, you can do that to Haiti and do it. It's like a two hour flight. And so it's uh, incredible. We've got some information on that next mission trip coming up Uh, It's at the Info Hub. You can grab it on your way out if if you think you might be interested. And also, high school students, we have a high school mission trip coming to Haiti in July next year. And so if you're a high school student and you're thinking about taking a mission trip, we'd love for you to go with our high school students as well. Uh, Everybody that we send comes back changed from the inside out and with this incredible love for the Haitian people. They're incredible people. Uh, Last Bell Ministries is in Ukraine. Uh, They're based in Zhitomir. And they care and advocate, advocate for orphanage graduates who need support in education and life skills, trade skills, and job searching. So somebody turns, I think it's 13 years old in Ukraine, they graduate from the orphanage, they don't have any place to go. And Last Bell takes over at that point and teaches them a trade, teaches them, continues to educate them, helps them with family development, trying to break the cycle of poverty in Ukraine. Um, And then Opportunities Now in Myanmar is a faith-based ministry that provides funding and mentoring to small businesses. Uh, Their focus is on underprivileged youth, um, lay leaders in the church, and church planters. And they seek to show the love of Christ through the pursuit of breaking the cycle of poverty in Myanmar. Uh, we send small teams there, and when I say small teams, I mean two to four people there a couple of times a year. They're very small because they're, they're basically teaching and counseling and training, and we teach them good business practices and how we can have a kingdom impact uh, through their business. The thing I love about opportunities now is it's a great chance, if you've got some business background, a lot of times what we'll do if you go on a mission trip is we send you to go build a house somewhere, uh, send you to do, to do something that you're not very familiar with, but if you've got a business background, you've got some skills, that people in a third world country can use. in Myanmar is building some great businesses. A few years ago, um, I wanna tell you this one story about a guy named Saul Harry. A few years ago, um, Opportunities Now gave a $1,500 loan to Harry to expand his uh, tea shop and restaurant. And Saul Harry makes the best tea in all of Yangon. And if you don't believe me, go there with me and I will take you to Saw Harry's shop and you will taste it. And you will never want to drink tea in America again. I promise you it's fantastic. But he also feeds a couple hundred people a day now because he was able to expand his restaurant. And every one of those people that walks into this restaurant, the first thing they see is this menu board. And this menu board has the scripture of the day on it in English, in the local language and in Burmese. Why does Harry have scripture on his menu board? Well, because one, he's found his way back to God and he wants to help others find their way back to God. But secondly, because this is part of his kingdom impact plan. So every business that comes through opportunities now has to have a kingdom impact plan of how are you going to build God's kingdom in a place that's 2% Christian, that's about 90% Buddhist, it's 2% Christian. Harry is helping people find their way back to God. And that's just one example from our international partners. We, we've committed $36,000 of total support uh, for this fiscal year to our international partners alone. But we also have some local partners. We want to work uh, in the community locally. Shepherd Community Center is one of those. Restored, Food for Souls, and Young Life. I'll just tell you a little bit about each of these. Shepherd Community Center, uh, you've probably heard about them on the radio. If you haven't interacted with them, their mission is to break the cycle of poverty in Indianapolis. They work with three specific zip codes on the east side, and they do a lot of different things. That Most, most of it revolves around school children, but one of the things that we're most familiar with is their spring break totes. A lot of the IPS students, especially the ones in their neighborhood, only get to eat when they go to school. And so in spring break, which is two weeks long, if they don't have school, they don't have an opportunity to eat. So we, built, we, Genesis Church, has put together for the last few years totes that have 10 days worth of meals that we will send home with these students and they will have those so that over spring break they can eat even though they're not going to school. Uh, we, we provided uh, in the past year 200 bags packed with meals so that these kids could have food during their spring break. A Restored is a ministry organization that helps children in Indiana and surrounding states who have been extorted through trafficking and, it's, and, and exploitation by providing an avenue to find restoration and healing in Christ. Through the love of Christ, Restored's mission is to provide victim services, raise awareness in churches and local communities, and provide advocacy in hope of ending human sex trafficking. And they do an incredible job. They're based right here in Indianapolis and they're a great partner. Uh, Food for Souls, many of you are familiar with Food for Souls. They're an Indianapolis-based group that works to meet both the immediate and long-term needs of Indy's homeless population. Uh, What we do with Food for Souls is during Christmas, we have a drive that we call, um, what do we call it, love your neighbor. And we bring in uh, items that are given out to the homeless during the year. And then every week, Food for Souls has a weekly mission trip on Sundays after church They send a group of people, usually it's 10 to 15 people, down to Indianapolis that travels to each of the homeless camps and feeds the homeless and brings them anything that they have requested. And Genesis Church, uh, we staff one of those trips a month. So once a month, we have a group of Genesis people that go down to Indianapolis and serve the homeless. There's more information about this on our website, genesischurch.me, or on our app. If you have the Genesis Church app, you can get out right now and you can see uh, on the What's Happening page, there's a list of serving opportunities and you can sign up Uh, for one of those trips. And finally, I want to talk to you about Young Life. We're we're partnered currently with Young Life in Noblesville and Westfield to reach the kids in our communities. Uh, Young Life has some amazing ministries that try to bridge the gap between school and church. And uh, we work with Young Life, and usually I'll point to this front row and say we have a bunch bunch of Young Life students here. They're a little bit back there, but we've got some Young Life students and and leaders here that have been part of our church for a long time. And um, it's really cool to see Young Life students getting connected in the church, Both here in Westfield, or both here in Carmel from the Westfield schools mostly, and then in Noblesville as well. But I love it when these um, ministries start to collide. And we have this story of one Young Life community that we heard from Restored about a young woman who had been rescued from trafficking and gotten connected with Young Life in her school. And they actually uh, were able to raise enough money through some uh, generous volunteers to send her to Young Life camp this summer and just have an incredible summer experience with girls her own age, which he was not used to doing. So I love it to see these ministries working together and partnering together. So um, We've committed $35,400 to our local partners this year. So um, we got global and local. And the third area that we've been working very closely with is church planting and starting new churches. We're part of the New Thing Network. Uh, and ICF Albania, which I talked about a little bit, I want to tell you more, and then New Heights Church. Uh, But uh, New Thing helps leaders, churches, and church planners plant healthy, reproducing churches to achieve the mission of Jesus. They provide training, resources, encouragement to church planners, accountability, and guidance for church leaders as they seek to multiply and make disciples. We joined the New Thing Network probably eight years ago when we started thinking about going multi-site. And at the time, they were praying that by the end of that year, they would have 200 churches as part of New Thing. This year, they're praying for 10,000 new churches in 2018. Is that crazy? 10,000 new churches, and we're a part of that. That's really cool. And Genesis is also a part of a network of 13 churches here in Indiana um, that we're dreaming about how we can start planting churches together and working together. Can you imagine the local church working together with one another so that we don't plant 17 churches on Oleo Road and Fishers? Wouldn't that be fun? Like we're talking about, hey, where's your next campus going? Well, if you're gonna go there, maybe I'll go here. And hey, where's your church plant going? Well, if your church is gonna plant there, maybe we'll plant one over here. And we're doing that together and dreaming about how to plant 50 churches together around the state of Indiana over the next five years. Wouldn't that be cool? And then ICF, I talked about ICF in Albania already. It's a church based in Tirana, Albania. Uh, We've become good friends with the pastor there, a guy named Altin. We help fund their worship pastor, a guy named Mariol. Albania is a, uh, ICF Tirana is a growing movement of over 100 people with a passion for spreading the truth of the gospel in a, in a spiritually dark place. I told you it was a, the atheist country, the one atheist country in the world. But this church is growing quickly and they've now got a second church campus thanks to Genesis. Did you know that? We, we told you about this about a year ago that Genesis sent a gift of $20,000. We were talking to Altine and, and said, well, what could you do? And he said, well, we've got pastors waiting to plant churches, but we need about $20,000 to fund a church. And we said, what does that do? And he said, well, it, it funds the church. Like $20,000 plants a church. We said, really? Okay, here's a check, $20,000. And we sent it. And uh, a couple months later, he said, hey, we just planted a church in a, in a town called Fear, F I E R, Fear in Albania. And so there's a second campus, thanks to you guys, thanks to Genesis Church. And they're planning a third this fall. ICF is incredible. we also committed to support New Heights Church. You guys, if you were here uh, this summer, you heard Ken Johnson, who was a former Colts chaplain, come and speak. And Ken is uh, working with Aaron Elliott. He used to be on staff at Grace Church, and they're planting this church together, this multicultural uh, church in North Indianapolis, and they're planting uh, in Nora this fall. And we told you when they were here, hey, if you feel like you're called to this thing, go with them. Like, we're doing this with open hands. I I love to see new churches being planted. And why are we planting new churches? Well, because... Most studies show that new churches are more effective at reaching lost people than existing churches. And so we wanna keep doing what we're doing over here, but we also wanna see people going out and finding people who are lost and and don't have a church home. And uh, many of you know, if you've been here for a while, we also, we've helped plant churches in the past. And a few years ago, we helped plant our former youth pastor, Josh Tandy, and his wife, Heidi, in a church in Newport, Kentucky. This is Josh and Heidi with me and Paul at a recent uh, conference we ran into them. And I asked Josh, uh, Josh was very excited. A couple weeks ago, they hit 100 people in their church for the first time, which was kind of a big deal for them. And so I reached out to him and I said, Josh, do you have any stories? Do you have any, like, is there one person that's really standing out to you or something that's going on? He goes, he, 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 this is what he sent me. He said, we've been getting a lot of guys in recovery that have been coming. One guy pours concrete for a living. He's got a shaved head. He's jacked and all tatted up. He's the guy that comes up to me after church to tell me about what he's learning, what he's being challenged by. But he said, but if I ran into him in Dark Alley, mm, I'd probably be a little scared. And if you know Josh, Josh is a big guy. Um, But he said, since the second Sunday he came, he always brings his kids and he always gives cash in an envelope. A couple of Sundays ago in the middle of my sermon, I see him walk in late, drop his offering off, wave to me and leave. And I was... Reading this story, I don't know what it's like to be Josh, where you're standing up there and you're preaching and you see somebody and you're like waving and thinking, Oh, there's there's so and so. I wonder what he's doing here. Oh, he's dropping off his offering, oh, he's leaving. And at the same time, you're preaching, like at the same time, because your mind's doing two different things. But he he runs in, he drops his offering off, and, and then he waves to him and he leaves. He says, I ran into him later that week when he was on the job, and I asked him about it. Well, first I thanked him for being generous. And then he tells me I couldn't stay for church because I'm remodeling some rooms for my kids as I'm trying to get custody back. And then I told him He doesn't have to drop off the offering if he can't make it to church. Josh is such a rookie. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) sorry, I just made myself laugh. Um, So I don't have to, you don't have to drop off your offering if you can't make it to church. And then he tells me, oh no, man, something I learned at meetings is that I've got to stay focused on where Jesus is going. So I've got to get my kids back, keep going to meetings, keep coming to movement and dropping off my envelope. Man, isn't that cool? We've committed $34,000 to church planning in 2018-19. Uh, and then in addition to those three big areas global, local, and church planning we support some missionaries some uh, missionaries that are doing mission work out in the field Uh, Chris Lowe, some of you know Chris Chris is a musician who's a missionary right here in Indiana he's with Crew Uh, his family attends our church Uh, Ryan Sudsbury is with Go Ministries he and his family are in the Dominican Republic and Haiti they're planting churches Go Ministries is a church planting ministry and they've already planted 61 churches in the past couple years that they've been there David and Carrie Hartman live in Central Asia. They're part of a disciple making ministry to the Muslim people in a d- dangerous place um, in, in their community. If you were here a few weeks ago, we told David and Carrie's story. And then many of you know Charlie and Kara Nichols, who are part of our church that are serving in Belize right now. They left in January. They're working in partnership in an orphanage to develop a farming program that trains children in important life skills, as well as raising food for the orphanage. And um, Charlie and Kara wanted to send their personal thanks for your contributions. I know many of you support them financially as well as supporting them through Genesis, but they sent uh, a video to show how their family is doing. Take a look at this. This is Tensley, their daughter. Hello, Genesis friends. Um, I'm just gonna share a little bit about um, what my daddy's been building here on Belize. This is um, the uh, picture of the greenhouse and he built it up from the garden. We've planted 100, 100 and over 140 fruit trees to help with um mm-hmm. long-term food supply. Since we've been here on Belize, we've gotten over 600 baby chips to raise your food for the kids. Hello, Genesis Family. Thank you for all the prayers and support. And please keep praying for us if, if we can do a good job growing food for these kids. I tell you, if you've got to raise funds for your ministry, three cute little girls always helps, doesn't it? <laughs> well, uh, oh, for the past few years, we've committed 10% of your gifts to go to these ministry partners right outside, right back outside the walls of Genesis Church. Uh, and we're celebrating life, stories of life change and people finding their way back to God because of that. But the question that we've been asking is this. We've told you through this whole series, like we believe that while God wants to take you from here to there, he wants to take our church from here to there. And so we've been asking and praying, what would it look like to take that 10% to 20%. Could we do it over the next five years or over the next 10 years? Uh, we're prayerfully considering even what it would mean for us to go from 10 to 11% just in the next year. Why 11%? Well, because it's one more. I mean, it's, it's a step in the right direction, right? And so we're thinking and praying about that. What's it gonna take though? What's well, gonna take prayer? It's gonna take all of us praying for our ministries and praying for, to become more generous. It's gonna take faith. And it's going to take every person, every one of us. Like, we can't go from here to there as a church unless we individually go from here to there, right? And it's going to. So we, we talked about this week one, that there's going to be a challenge every week. And, and we've talked about the challenges the first two weeks. And so week three, I want to talk to those of you who have been regularly giving a percentage of your income to the work through your local church. Um, and I want to challenge you this. Would you consider raising your giving by 1% of your income? Would you consider raising your giving by 1% of your income? My family and I made this, took this challenge a couple years ago and we've been doing it ever since. We did it again this year. We raised um, what we give to Genesis Church by 1%, but for you, it could be to the church or it could be to one of these ministry partners that we've talked about. Maybe there's something that like grabbed your heart and you think, oh, I wanna to contribute to that thing. You can find these ministry partners on our website or I think they're on our app. I know they're on our website, genesischurch.me and you can find them there or you can connect with me or Danielle and we'd love to get you in in, uh, touch with these ministry partners and say, hey, you can give directly to them. But I love this picture. I love this picture of the Apostle Paul holding up these Christ followers in Macedonia as an example of faith and generosity. And, And what would it mean for somebody to point to Genesis Church one day and say, there's a church that gave themselves first to the Lord and then to one another. There's a church, and not for our benefit, not so that we could be famous for it, but to say there's a church that loves Jesus more than anything and will go to whatever lengths to make sure as many people as possible find their way back to God. As we close up, if you skip over to verse seven, 2 Corinthians 8, seven, Paul's used these Macedonian churches as an example of generosity, and now he's ready to challenge the church in Corinth to do the same thing. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, since you do all that stuff really well, he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul says, Friends in Corinth, you have a great story. You've got so much to be thankful for. And then he says, "God's God's so, done so many amazing things in you and through you to this point in history. Now, excel in this grace of giving. And then in verse 8, he says, And I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. See, generosity is a natural response to a heart and life fully committed to trusting Jesus. Like, you can't fully follow Jesus and not be continually growing in this gift of Generosity. In Genesis Church, we have a great story of 15 years of faithfulness. We're going to celebrate in a couple, a couple of weeks. Hundreds of people have surrendered their lives to Jesus through this church here in central Indiana. Countless more people have been reached with the good news of Jesus through these partnerships that we talked about today. And we, we can't get from here to there as a church without us going from here to there as individuals. And if it weren't for the love and grace of God, we would not be here. But I believe with all of my heart that God wants to say to us, hey, you've done so many things well. Now excel in this grace of giving. You know, Would you be willing to open up your life to God, to take some new steps of faith with him each and every day? I believe he can transform every single one of us into the type of people he dreams for us to be, to be generous people who look like Jesus. That's really our greatest motivation. I mean, we have to keep looking to Jesus. This is what Paul, how Paul finishes this little section here in verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that word for is so important because he says, all of this I've already told you, this is why. For, because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. So Jesus, who was rich, became poor so that we who were poor might become rich. Although the generosity of the Macedonians was noteworthy, it was nothing compared to the generosity that Jesus had, that Jesus gave up his life, Uh, is a model of generosity for the rest of us. He became poor for our sake, a heavenly king. He set aside all the comforts of heaven and privileges of heaven and became the man we call Jesus. He came to earth. He humbled himself as a servant during his life and then humbled himself to death, even death on the cross, the most cruel and humiliating death known to man. But by doing so, he made all who believed in him rich, rich in life, rich in hope. And the truth is that we can't outgive God No matter how generous we are, we can't possibly top the gift that he gave us, the greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful for that gift. And my tendency is to scream past that into the other things that I want to pray, but I just want to stop right there. I'm so thankful for that gift of Jesus. I'm thankful that you saw fit to reach down on our poor condition and say, those people are poor I want to make them rich, so I'll take my son who is rich and make him poor. What an incredible trade, God. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the grace that you've given to each of us. Uh, Thank you that you can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And Lord, thank you for this gift we have of being able to trust you with everything that is ours, not just our finances, but everything in our lives. I pray that you would find us faithful to your call. And I pray in the name of Jesus that when we're faithful, that you would show yourself faithful as you always do. Lord, help us to have the courage to follow you fully in every area of our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.